loop. You guys think it's time for a new intro? Just needs music. I think it's pretty good. All right, cool. Maybe one more season. What's (laughs) up, everybody? We're back. It's your boy, Joe Reezy, and I'm here with the OGs, Andrew and Jermaine, taking it back to our roots, you know, in light of nostalgic November. But before we dive in, Mm -hmm. don't forget to swing by safelightcandle.com, our sponsors, and also check us out at cave.com. That's cave4v3.com. So before we begin and introduce our guest, we're out of the rabbit hole done with the conspiracy stuff for now jermaine it was crazy homunculus other stuff i don't want to say early on our podcast so yeah we can keep this episode safe and not get flagged you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) we'll have to put on the tinfoil this time yeah but i was gonna say after that like you know let's not get into the slippery slopes and fall into the rabbit hole so i'm gonna try to kind of keep it surface level and down to earth you know what i mean <laughs> but yeah tinfoil tinfoil is a deep rabbit hole too but we got ap quintino pasquale over here he is an artist from bentley records it's a collective that might sound familiar and if it sounds familiar you probably know him from O'Rees and mel they're part of bentley records ap what's going on welcome to the cave man Hey, Jerizzi, thank you. I appreciate it. Shouts out to Mel and Oriz, like you said, Bentley artists. And uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Awesome, man. How you doing? Where Where are you located at? Are you in the West Coast, East Coast? So I'm in the Midwest, um, Chicagoland area, um, about mm-hmm. 30, 45 minutes north of there right now. Where I'm from is uh, Cicero and Borough and Taylor Street, the north side of Chicago. Okay. Chicago, home of the greats. Yeah. <laughs> so it's pretty much everybody from Bentley Records. They're from all over the country, it sounds like. Is that right? Yeah, um, all over the world. I mean, okay. there's, there's artists in Europe that I've networked with and built since um, coming on to Bentley Records. What it is that I'm learning uh, as I go, it's more of an independent artist platform, and they've signed other major artists along the way, but... Um, it enables you to do things that where you couldn't do without having them. For example, um, like Oriz is doing that huge song with Lil Wayne. Shouts out to him. And Hunter Boy is also an artist at Bentley. Um, I'm going to be doing a track with Wiz Khalifa. And it's um, nice. It, it's unbelievable, to say the least. And I wouldn't have been able to do that without Bentley. So what they do is they open doors where, as an independent artist, you can get features with big artists. You can promote your music with marketing campaigns. You could do merchandise like this. Um, so they give you all kinds of different um, things on a platform that it's like they call the, you know, biggest platform in your hand. You can do it from your phone, your computer, but um, it's revolutionizing music in a distribution way because they distribute your music to 290 stores. Um, and it's, it's, it's a, just like anything else, as far as a business standpoint, you got to invest in yourself or your business and in your people. And that's what they uh, are big advocates. So what I'm learning on the platform is just like anything else, the more you invest, the more you're going to get the opportunity to do things like um, crossing paths with Oriz in Vegas. I met him. I met Luca Days, the CEO of Bentley Records twice now. I'm going to see him a third time. So um, 
it's a process and it's one of the um, most difficult businesses and things I've learned. I'm in my 30s like Maurice, so it's been it's been really interesting because I pursued and made music half my life, but um, it's been a long journey. And, and just to get to this point, it's, it's been because of Bentley Records. So to answer your question with information, um, it's an independent label that gives you a platform to do things that you can't without, you know, having the help of professionals in that area. Nice, nice. nice. Well, what's your role in uh, Bentley Records? Are you are you primarily an artist with uh, Bentley Records? So primarily started as an artist, and um, they have this saying that I like. I'm a big uh, believer in words and um, different slogans or, or sayings, and it's uh, not what you make, but more of what you become. I know money's a big thing in the world, mm -hmm. but you know touching people along the way in your journey in life and things like that. So Oriz and I, when we met in Las Vegas and, and had this Bentley Records workshop, and then we were there with a mentorship program called the EMC, we were presented with the opportunity from Bentley to um, entertain being their tour managers. And that's coming up here in the next month and a half. And Oriz and I are the two people leading that. So it's been, nice. uh, yeah, it's been very uh, humbling and I'm honored at the same time because, you know, um, I got kids and, you know, a lot of artists are really younger and, and being in your 30s, age is a number. But at the same token, it's like I said, you don't know, you know who you become. It's more of that than what you make. They're slogans. So um, that's, it's been really interesting and I'm really excited about it. That's cool. So do you see yourself like climbing that ladder in, in Bentley Records trying to, uh, you know, uh, just, you know, get up to some bigger positions up in Bentley Records? I love music. Music's my passion in life, and um, it's a form of poetry expression. Um, I believe in raw authenticity. Um, there, it, it's great to have a sound like people and things like that, so I still want to focus on being an artist, but to be in any part of business with music, I love that because I think that, you know, anytime that you get to truly work and do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life because you're doing what you love. So essentially, yeah, I mean... No one needs Drake or Weekend fame, but the music industry and business is enough piece of the pie for everyone to have some. So, yeah, I, I mean, mm -hmm. I'd love to work that ladder in the business sense of things because I'm learning, too, you can't always be an artist. Um, there's a lot of branding, diversification with um, monetizing, whether it's a food, a beverage, a clothing, um, you know, whatever. You know what I mean? So, yeah, to answer your question, it, it'd be something that I hope to do one day, like some of the greats that I, I consider entrepreneurs where they go on from music and, and create franchises, restaurants and so forth, and then give back to the community as well. So that's cool. Yeah. This is, sounds like Jay-Z stuff to me, man. Yeah. <laughs> like becoming the president of Def Jam and still putting out some records. So that's hmm. that's really cool. Yes, sir. The what rock, do you find right? more uh what do you find more in like fulfillment in and do you find more fulfillment in recording your own music or producing others? Um you know, I'm not big on the production side of things from an engineering standpoint. I'm more of networking okay. and building, bringing people together. Um, I like the the part of expression and building the song. I think that's the best part. Um, Oriz has been saying something on one of your guys' um, shows. He said it about artists being in a cave and just, you know, hmm. this this term of throwing stuff in a microwave and then spewing it out, you know, like the collaboration effort and what COVID did, removing a lot of things where there's human interaction and this whole digital thing. So my favorite part of it is actually in the making because you really get the raw part of an artist if there's there's um, 
there's depth to the lyrics and the music right. and there's you know not like we're not talking about a car and a song we're not talking about you know that's cool or entertaining things but like something that people can relate to in the whole part of music that part i love the best because then your you, then your brains are working together like you're like okay what's the what's the subject here what are we going with is there you know is it emotion is it an intense is it a vibe song are we, you know smoking and riding and chilling you know are we getting lit in the club is it fucking turned up you know what i mean so mm-hmm. Are we talking about something like that touches deep where like some woman or family member we lost, you know, emotion wise. So that's my favorite part is creating the fucking song and the art itself. Right. So you said you're in your thirties. I mean, we're all in our thirties as well. So we all grew up in the same era. So I just want to know, um, growing up, I felt like in the nineties, there was a lot of great, you know, music that we all grew up on. So what are some inspirations you draw from then to and do you apply that till today or have you adapted to the new sounds you're proper right is that what they call you yeah <laughs> i heard some of your stuff for the reasons dope brother thanks man that's you're been welcome. a lot that's a long time ago <laughs> yeah i think it was like 2019 or 2020 maybe 2021 oh yeah i mean probably he just released them but we recorded those a long time ago <laughs> okay i got you yeah, they're yeah, dope yeah. but uh thanks, yeah, man. I'd say, uh to answer your question, a wide variety uh, mixture. Who you see behind me, Pop, Biggie. I was never yeah. big on the the battle of the, the coast. I was more of the art and what the sound they brought. Um, mm-hmm. I love the R.I.P. Kurt Cobain, um, Nirvana, Metallica, Hendrix, Led Zeppelin. A, a wide variety of different sounds. Even out west, out there in the Bay Area, like E40, what he did with P. Lo, um, the Heartbreak Gang, and them. All of them. Like, there's a different variety of sounds that I come from out there, like even Snoop Dogg, Nate Dogg, um, Dr. Dre, the original Chronic, all that with Devil Records and Suge Knight. Um, then we can bring it back to the East, but stop in the Midwest. I mean, Twista, Common, Lupe Fiasco, people you don't hear about today with the new generation of artists and just, you know, the whole... Shout um, out Lupe. Yeah, Lupe. So even back then, but um, oh, to yes. take it further back, like LL Cool J, you know, Beastie Boys, Big yeah. L, the old hip-hop originators of sound, like um, mashing up Aerosmith and Run DMC, the whole Walk This Way thing. Like, we were big into that shit, too. We were like, this is fucking ridiculous. Like, they did this show, and they were pounding on the wall in the music video. So, like, all, all those sounds, I'd say, like, it was all rap, hip-hop from the 90s and the early 2000s, then, like, Rock and roll, but like a mixture of more a heavy metal. Even like sometimes Pantera, I think, was in there. Like we were listening to Cowboys, right. Al, Vulgar Display of Power, this love. You take this love. You know what I mean? Like we were like, that fucking sounds dope. The way they were hitting all those frequencies and on the mm-hmm. guitar. Um, you know, R.I.P. Dimebag Daryl. So the, just a wide array of rock, rap, and hip-hop. And then I'd mm-hmm. say it turned into... Um, with a lot of the alternative hit for me, it was like an uh, RP to him, uh, Chester Bennington, uh, Benningfield from Lincoln Park. Uh, um, uh, we were listening to Blink 182 a lot, Stone Temple Pilots. Um, mm-hmm. There's even, um, what's, his, what's his name? Uh, Henry Rollins. Some of that shit was crazy, you know what I mean? So you, mm-hmm. even all that stuff back in the rock and alternative, um, Foo Fighters came out after, you know, Dave Grohl was part of Nirvana. People don't even know that. I'm like, fucking Google yeah. it. You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> even then at a certain point, it's like if you really listen to music and hear the sounds, that's that's kind of like what um, I came up on and grew up on. But from like earlier, old school Italians, I'm 100% Italian. My family, my grandparents came sharp with both. I remember listening to jazz. 
you know, they were listening to um, Frank Sinatra, the whole Rat Pack, Sammy Davis Jr., uh, Dean mm-hmm. Martin. Um, the, I remember all the time, like, the Italian one in my family going nuts for, like, Frank Sinatra, even Elvis Presley, like, the bra thrown on stage back then. So I remember hearing... You ain't nothing but a hound dog, blue suede shoes, jail rock, all that shit. So nice. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool that you have like a, such a wide variety of interest in music because when you ask someone a lot, they're when you like, oh, I like music, and you ask them, oh, what do you like, and it's just one genre. You know, I don't, I don't think you could say you like music and stick to one genre. It's just true. It's, yeah. it, it doesn't make sense to me. So it's cool to hear that you have all of these musical influences as far as your background and. It's cool as an artist to kind of implement that into your own art and interpret it. Like, this is what I grew up on. Maybe people can hear those little hints of those influences. So it's cool to hear from you went from like LL Cool J, then you went down to deep end, like to Pantera or, you know, so it was cool. Um, but like w- with how music is now, how do you feel? Of, I mean, obviously, it's a cliche question. Obviously, people are going to say, well, back then music was a lot better, but. There's some there's some good gems nowadays, and what are artists you think that are still keeping it to its roots, as opposed to people who are trying to make something new but it's not working? No, that's a great question, brother. Uh, thank you on everything you said before that with all the different you know went from Pantera back to the other end of the spectrum. Um, mm-hmm. I think that what's today is missing that artists from back then or that are still relevant now. Mm-hmm. Say that you you know make a timeless classic, something that people are going to listen to all the time. Like I think Fifty Cent in the club just went diamond, you know, something like that. Like and he mm-hmm. said, twenty some years, you know, and said create a classic, um, timeless, timeless. <laughs> um, Andre Three Thousand said it from Outcast recently too. Something about artists not wanting to create art and trying to sound like other artists or um, right. you know not being raw. It's like or trying to make a hit. It's like. Don't worry about making the hit. Just make the song and make the art. So I think like artists that stay relevant in the demographic of every age um, are all the big names that can still relate to people, whether they're they're hitting a certain song. But like I said earlier, emotion, you're getting lit, you're hanging with the homies, you're going mm-hmm. to see the, the lady, you have an emotional song, whatever it is. So, you know, and, and all those big ones. I don't listen to Drake a lot. I know he has a lot of appeal to people like that. But like you heard me say, like, I think outcasts or people like that that uh, still have a big brand out there where they could bring a song, 50 Cent, same thing, 20, 30 years ago, and it's still relevant today. So, um, And he's also something I touched on earlier. All of them are. They got branding, clothes, food, beverage. They turn themselves into what you guys said, Jay-Z, Hova, The Rock. It's a branding. Mm-hmm. It's an entrepreneur. It's a ditty. It's a, it's a wave. I mean, you got Trill Burgers. You got... E40's got all the food that he's got with burritos and all the, the spoon with the spoon. It's like, man, <laughs> the money they're making outside of that with music. So, like, when, when you say yeah. that, those artists, you could name the legends and icons. And that's why they've become that because they've taken their money. And, and I think that concept they've done is uh, they're not working for their money. They're having the money that they make work for them. So, right. I mean, that's a great way to put it. Um, yeah. Well, I, not just not just that. Like they'll go rap about how cool it is to get those products, and then you know the diehard fans listen to that, and they're like, "Oh man, I got to get that toothpaste." If you know, you sell some toothpaste. If you sell now. some toothpaste or some shit, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah. I mean, clearly it's working. It's working for Snoop Dogg, one of the highest paid you know rappers who's not. No, really it worked for music. it worked for Diddy, bro. Like all the fucking. 
alcohol shit that they were they were rapping about. That was his shit that they were really rapping oh, about, right. you know. Or yeah. they were in works to you know sign a deal to collaborate on, you know, some kind of like ad or 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 something between the two of them. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a good way to not only push out a product, but also take control of the marketing because you know your audience. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think that's why... Uh, damn, you guys brought me back in the rabble. <laughs> there's, a, there's a conspiracy theory that, you know, rock music and the hippie movement was CIA. You know what I mean? Because now we involve drugs into the game where it's weed, you know, LSD. Some people take fucking um, <laughs> ecstasy to go... To these festivals, and you know, we could talk about frequencies and the beats and all that, but just the message, right? Like, if we go back to primitive days, like music was always present in the culture, right? Like, even before, I would say, even before fucking written history or written language was Mm -hmm. around, I think music and chants and songs were Ah, were what dominated history. You know, spoken history, spoken tongue and tales and even religious beliefs. But now, like, you guys are about, we're all about the same age, 30s, like, to the window, to the wall, to the sweatshirt. Sounds kind of weird now in your mid-30s, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it's still stuck in my mind. <laughs> but I still <laughs> see that shit. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it was so iconic, too, you know, it was just... That was an era where the music was all about the the hook and no one cared about the content of what they were rapping. Because if you actually listen to the whole song, you're like, wow, it was actually kind of trash. But it was that whole chorus <laughs> that got you. This was a banger, though. Yeah, right? It was just all about the chorus because the whole point was that you're in the club or whatever and you're turned up and you're going to fucking scream that whole I was chorus. a freshman, bro. Are you yeah, talking about right? club, dog? No, about like homecoming dance? What we're talking about is when they made that music, the whole point was for people to just turn up to. I mean, not us, but when they were making that, like people were going to the clubs just seeing that shit, even what Chris Rock made a bit about that. He's talking about how he met his wife and she was dancing to the sweat drip down my balls. <laughs> yeah, just, that's just what the music was at the oh, time. Yeah, she was just talking about ball. <laughs> I, w- yeah. I will say, you guys can chime in. I will say, the time we were in the clubs. I mean, even if we go to the club right now, we have the hardest like club music ever. You know what I'm saying? Talking about like our parents dancing to some disco shit, you know what I mean? Our uncle's dancing to some, this wet drop down my balls. (laughs) I mean, when you hear that shit in the club, that's considered old school and throwback. But I mean, like the real shit that they play in the club, that shit goes hard. It's kind of raunchy and shit, but I mean, I feel like in the catalog of club music, we're at a golden era right now, you know what I mean? (laughs) It definitely is, but it's also coming to an era where everyone's getting so... You know, the whole cancel culture and everything. Oh, my God, that music's so misogynistic. And right. it's just, we're getting to a point where the music kind of gets, I feel like it's going to get so watered down that you can't really speak on. It's going to be like Kids Bop. <laughs> yeah, right. Kids Bop in the club. Kids Bop sells. Like, you can't write a song and say some misogynistic shit even i mean i'm not saying that misogyny is cool or anything but that was the point of music you were just supposed to get in the vibe or whatever and you know and now it's just more of oh my god he said this cancel him like 
like there's like limitations to artists now because of this you know you kind of have you they're boxing i mean for you what would you say like as a as an artist do you feel like you're kind of boxed in now with that kind of uh, mentality yeah also being an artist who is inspired by such a wide range of art artists you know what i mean it's like i can go lupe i can go busta i can go push the t you know what i mean it's kind of hard I mean, as far as we we all used to rap, so being inspired by a bunch of different rappers, it's kind of hard for the listener to be like, "Who who you sound like?" You know what I mean? Because you kind of have to sound uniform. So how do you how do you handle that aspect of the game? Uh, some of the guys that I record with are from a production standpoint. They say they're shooting free throws. So when they do that, they say they want to hit a different genre every time. And what they said with me certain times when I'd come across is like, don't rap so much. They're like, you know, if you want to build a song and structure it, and if you want to do it this way, are you going into freestyle or what are we doing here? So when like it got to that, um, I think that the sound and the sense of what we were trying to create came out itself. Um, I, I don't ever filter what I say. And I think that's the best part of what um, Maurice and I are trying to do. We talked about like how things went from, you know, like you just said, misogynist. You can't talk about a woman this way in the strip club, tits, ass, pussy, whatever the fuck it is. Or you're, you know, you're womanizing, you're doing this. But the same token is there's this whole world that people don't understand that exists where like two chains and money bag, you know, and all these motherfuckers are creating strip club bangers that they're climbing up and down them pole and then they're coming back down and boom, you know what I mean? So. Mm-hmm. We did a song called Lady Sauce, and, and that was our whole vibe when we went to the strippy, and, and we made that song that way. And so, like, I didn't give a fuck what I said that because I'm giving people the reality of what they would be with if we were there. So then, like, when it came right. back to other songs, like, I've got a song called Rotten Tomatoes and Throwing Tomatoes, where um, Rotten Tomatoes is like it's a whole minute and 42 seconds of freestyle, and it's all about my life, but I keep it vague enough to where people can relate and there's subliminal lines in there but then throwing tomatoes is like a structured song and you know like i even gave shouts out like i said r.i.p to sanford and son like right when they passed that breakfast hash fried wake and bake smell that folgers brewing say our squad screws couple loose you know like i just went with it like there i was like in the moment and that line stuck with it but like if people know like you guys would all know what the fuck i'm saying so when it came to that, with what to answer your question is, um, I didn't care because if people were gonna relate, they'll know. If they don't, like that's what like you guys said this this watered down or drinking that Kool Aid or it's like oh I got that shirt or that chain that guy's got that or what you stand for and believe in that. So that's where like I don't ever filter or worry about what I'm gonna say um, because mm-hmm. I think that what initially will come out is not offensive or uh, in a derogatory manner where someone would take it the wrong way because. If that is that way, those people don't understand it, and I don't want them listening anyway. You know what I mean? It's like I don't, yeah. I don't want fame or a lens. I want the money and the bends for the squad and the journey and the team and the people you touch along the way. So, like with that whole um, the Hollywood look, or um, you know what I mean, like that um, that thirst trap. You know what I mean? Like all that light bullshit. That's where, like, mm-hmm. I think the same thing touches with the music. It's like so you're gonna worry about what you say and do but not come from the heart with what you're trying to convey in your words and your music so for me like even like eminem like huge influence for me so like when it came to my shit i got that a lot in g easy comparison a lot um 
but more of Eminem because of how raw and unfiltered it was. And I spit fast when I rap if I'm not rapping slower. So um, I always didn't give a fuck what I said in my raps. And especially because what I've born into and came into, I couldn't do music for a certain amount of time. So once I told people to fuck off, it was like, I'm going all in and I'm saying what I want because some people went to jail and people got in trouble in my life and my worlds that I was born into. And it was like, well, if you're going to do these things or not, and are you really going to do the music? Because I've been mm -hmm. making music for 17 years and I showed her a reason when I met him in person. You know, over 300 songs in my phone. I've only released 70 some songs in three years. So it was like, yeah, I'm fucking doing this. And mm -hmm. I'm saying what I want to say. I talk about my sons in there. I got two different sons with two different women. Um, I talk about my brothers. I don't see them. My father was you know, Italian and from Chicago, and then my mother, who's a hell's angel, who I don't know. So in a lot of my music, if I'm talking about that stuff and saying, like, I, I I go all in, and what I'm I'm saying, people understand and make sense, but at the same token, you know, I'm, I think that music, when it comes from the heart, is the best. So I don't ever worry about filtering or, or, or thinking about that ever. It doesn't ever even come to mind. That's dope. Um, so I want to dial it back a little bit just to kind of get an understanding of your your history as an artist how far back would you say that you you know when you actually decide like you know this is something i want to pursue this is something i want to do and what was your earliest influence to say that convinced you is like i want to do what they're doing i want to be like that i'd say the first time i ever thought about anything with music was 12 or 13 Okay. We, were, we were making our own songs. We we freestyle rap over whoever artists we were listening to. If we were in someone's backyard hanging out in a basement, if we were in the, the street or in the city, whatever we were fucking doing. Um, but then, like, to pursue it the way I have recently, where I, like, looked at things from the perspective of that whole analogy where you don't need all of this big pie that you see all these big celebrity-style artists have. There's enough where, like, if you get a certain audience or demographic that you could pursue and push this and make a business out of it. When I saw other artists doing that, I'd say like Little Skies, um, other smaller independent artists, even like um, Joyner Lucas, he's still independent, doing it from that standpoint. I was like, you know what? If you do it the right way and you believe in something and you manifest it, you could do anything you set your mind to, to a certain extent of reality, that is, of course. And, and that's where I said, you know, I got deep into writing, I, I think 2014, 2013. My first, son had, my first son had been born, he was a couple years old, and I hated the job I was at, and I'm just like, I can't stand, and it was a shitty shift. It was like 11, or no, no, 3 p.m. to 1 a.m., and then on Saturdays, 3 p.m. to 11 p.m. So it was like a 60-some hour shift in a fucking plant, and I had to drive 45 minutes there. I was like, I can't fucking say this. I'm on the forklift thing. I'm trying to fucking rap and freestyle. I got headphones in. I'm getting yelled at by the union stewards and shit. <laughs> so I think at that time, like I really dove into the writing and I started to record and not release anything. So that was about 10 or 11 years ago. And then three years ago was when someone saw me in a bar and I wasn't drunk. I was there handling another business, but I was having a drink and a song came out and I just rapped the whole song word for word, was enjoying the vibe. And they're like, can I record you? And I'm like, you want to record me? And he's like, yeah. He's like, do you do, you do music? Do you record? I'm like, I've been writing for a while and I've been recording low key, but not re releasing anything because I didn't really know how to record myself. Mm -hmm. So he recorded me. And from there, this is where it's gotten. It's been three years since then. So like he and he's a legit guy. He he does film, but he knows how to do, um, you know, obviously 
music, audio recording. He goes back and forth from L.A. to Chicago. And then he introduced me to a bunch of people out in Chicago that I record with, either on the south side or I'll come out to Lake County area and record with them. There's multiple places they operate out of. So Right. I think the the number one thing that people look at when they look at artists, how successful they are, you know, and everyone gets so caught up like, oh, I want to be like that. And, oh, you, you know, like like they say, they never show their failures. So I want to know, like, obviously, the, this industry is not very easy. We all know that it's not a secret. But Ooh. what are the downs you've faced and you've got up every time and said, no, nah, I'm not going to let that keep me down. I'm going to keep pushing because this is what I want, because. You know, in everything you pursue, there's always going to be that you feel like you're up and it knocks you down again. So what keeps you going, getting back up is what I want to ask you. And, you know, what are the downs you faced just to give people an idea of like, this is not an easy thing. This is not as easy as just writing a song and spit into a beat. This is there's a lot of hard work that comes into putting this stuff together. Yeah, it's uh, I'd say consistency is key, just like anything else. And the more consistent you are, I think, you know, there's that 10,000 hour rule with anything and you'll become um, a professional because no one's ever perfect. So they say that that 10,000 hour rule. So I think what knocked me down and then I get back up where things like you could show too much love and that gets you killed. They say, you know, it's the cutthroat industry is they'll, they'll put that battery pack on you. They'll charge you up and, and they'll know where they're taking you. You know what I mean? So I've been in rooms and, and I know, I claim Neutron. I know BDs, GDs. I know Vice Lords, you know. Oriz is educating me about NorCal and Serenos and all the different MS-13 shit out there. But shit. I know where I'm at and I've recorded with all kinds of people. So um, you can see smoke and mirrors with love and hate in people's eyes blink sideways, if that makes sense. And, mm-hmm. yeah. and it, it really knocks you down. But at the same time, meeting people like, I'd say, we're Rees, people at Bentley, um, people that have the same vision where, you know, like success is defined differently to everyone. And I don't like people that define success in certain ways. I think we all see along the same lines. Um, so from that standpoint, getting knocked down in, in my own mind, like getting signed by Bentley, I fucking didn't make a penny off of that little piece of paper that I framed myself as a successful accomplishment to getting to that point. Mm-hmm. So when you get knocked down. There's reminders of people you'll come across in the journey that are um, like-minded individuals that reassure you that, you know, and I don't want an armchair correct. Tell me if it's good or bad, constructive criticism, and I want feedback. Or, you know, don't toot my horn or, or finesse me because you think there's a financial gain or that, you know, you may get benefit out of me because people use you, get, get anything out of you they want and then just throw you away. So that happened a lot to me initially, and I'd say that, like I said, the things that helped me get back up were people that you stumble across in the journey of when you're down in those times and not giving up, just manifest and believe in that. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like similar to what O'Ree's told me when I was, you know, I was just having like a personal conversation, catching up with him. And that's what he was saying, too, is just kind of meeting people who work with you, but they don't fuck with you. They're, it's just like using you as a stepping stone kind of thing. And. It's just kind of hard finding real people in the industry who just who actually show you love. It's just like you said, it's cutthroat. People get used in this a lot and they'll use you as a stepping stone if it means that they can elevate themselves and bring you down if they have to. Yes, sir. It's funny because we've had 
Ori's on the podcast maybe like fucking three or four times. We've had Mel on. Mm-hmm. You're on, you know. It's almost like that picture of uh, Bentley Gang as fucking Power Rangers and we're the Ninja Turtles and we're like fucking shaking hands and shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, Ninja Turtles are sitting over here. Yeah. It's like, a, it's like a cool collaboration. But I wanted to ask, how did the team come about? Like, who was the fucking... Who was the Samuel Jackson, the Nick Fury that, you know, got the Avengers together for you guys? And <laughs> where were you at when you got involved? So there's there's a couple answers to that. The first one is Orris. That motherfucker lit the torch and ran with it. <laughs> he would. <laughs> he, he, he did. And, and there were people around like Mel and I with torches. We were like, can, can you some of that fire? And he ran over like, let's, let's fucking light all these torches and let's fucking go. You know what I mean? So, but to rewind, uh, Luca Days, the CEO of Bentley Records did. And just like you talked about before this proper. And, and when I answered, there's people that'll finesse you or, or, or finagle you to just take leverage on you in this business. So there were a lot of people coming at me on Instagram or the platforms because I never had social media before the music. I wasn't allowed to because of the, the worlds I was in before. I wasn't putting pictures, posting because I couldn't. So I was getting scammed all the time. It's like, oh, you want to sign this label? I didn't send them a fucking penny. And I was like, these are all scams. I've been looking these all up online. If it's got a Gmail and if it's got this. <laughs> so one day, two Bentley affiliates emailed me, and I'm a hothead Italian. I'd rather have a hothead than cold feet. Shoot first, ask questions later. So I got the old email. We want you to come on the label. And I was like, fuck you, you fucking bitch. It's like, I know this scams in Europe. I've been getting hit with these left and right, trying to be an artist. I'm like, do you know musicians? They have passion. They this blood, sweat, and tears. And I'm like, I'm a real oh, fucking artist. I, I sent him like this long-ass email. I was smiling for with it. And it was this woman from Bentley Red. She's like, no, the, the CEO heard some of your music. We want you to come on as an independent artist. So I was like, okay. So I like looked into it and it was legit. So then a year a year into it, they out of the 600 independent artists, the CEO, back to Luca Days, picked 27 artists to put in this program. And from that, it, it, everything I feel like has been a test. So... Oriz, Mel, and I are three of those 27 members, and out of those 27, 15 went to Vegas, and that's where Oriz kind of took this torch from the CEO after he brought us all together and was like, I think there's something building here where there's a lot of talent and different things that we can network and build, and everyone brings something to the table. So if that all makes sense, how it all started, this is almost like two, three years ago that it's gotten to this point. So, like, the CEO kind of put us all together. Are these 600 guys? He found a group of us. He got that kind of chopped in half. And then Oriz has been at the fucking front of the pack like this, like fucking running with that torch. <laughs> we're all there with him side by side. And that's the thing I love the best. We always say never in front or behind each other. We're fucking right next to each other. So, Hell yeah. Awesome. Yes, sir. That's what's up, man. That's, it only takes one one candle to light another candle, you know what I mean? And start a fire. So he would, bro. He would. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best part too. I mean, everybody's got a story and I think everyone does in life. And um, what we've all shared in that group of everyone that's got these torches, Mallory's and I is is we all have a struggle and something that we could relate to. And that um, we've never been a part of a brotherhood. We've never had a family like this. We've never been part of something where we're all accepted and we're all trying to do it together. It's like those things you said, what knocked us down before was haters and people that are trying to coach you through something they've never done. Mm-hmm. So 
being with all these people. It's like, okay, here we go. So, yes. yeah, the whole Vegas thing. Um, O'Ree's, well, I call him Brandon because I, I grew up with that guy, so he's always been Brandon to me. But, um, he told me about you guys' interviews and all that. I'm actually the one editing those videos for you guys, so. I hope I can get them all to you. You may not soon. look like it. Yeah. Uh, Brandon hit me up and he's like, we need you guys. I need you to help me edit these videos. So that's what I've been doing for you guys. Um, Hopefully I can release them all soon to you guys. And, you know, I hope you guys like them. But yeah, no, you'll, see um, him in like, you'll see him in like two years, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Take it easy. Nah. But um, thank you, brother. I appreciate. Yeah, it. man. I saw so, the chat from Maurice. Uh, he put me in there on uh, IG. So uh, thank you. You're you're good. So I'm patient. Do your thug thizzle. Yeah, it was just a, it's it's a lot of clips, but I've been kind of going back and forth with him, and he's liking them. And you know, he said Luca. He he's gonna show him to Luca. So there's just things him and I have been kind of fixing behind the scenes. But hopefully, we put that out after I I could have it out to Brandon whenever he's ready to release it. We could. Put it out when this episode comes out you know it'd be kind of cool to have it all full circle yes sir what do you think of some of those interviews i mean there's some some dope backgrounds to every artist there we had a guy from london i mean there are people yeah. from all over you know um i i thought everything was uh it was cool learning i actually learned a little bit about you already through it so it was cool um Creepy. You know, i don't want to spoil too much because I, don't <laughs> people, I don't want people to watch them but you know everyone has different backgrounds everything. um everyone <laughs> but everyone has kind of like the same mentality. I think that's why Luke had put you guys on because you guys, like I said, you guys all have different styles um, and uh, inspirations and, uh, but everyone's mindset's the same. Everyone has a common goal. And I think that's why your, your label is working well together. I should say, because everyone in those seems to have a lot of chemistry. And from what Brandon's telling me, everyone just gets along. And I think in order to build that strong label, you need to have, that that foundation so it was cool actually seeing that in those videos yeah absolutely it's cool because last time we had O'Reason mel that was before you guys were headed out to vegas so how was vegas bro <laughs> i don't know a lot of us didn't sleep <laughs> <laughs> sounds like vegas from 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 what you're willing to share, I mean, you don't have to tell us everything, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, to each his own, and everybody has their own remedies and sauce, but it was like Mario <laughs> Land with some of the mushrooms, and I microdose. Like, I smoke a shit ton, but it was fucking hilarious. I was having a blast watching and everything. I've been to Vegas before, but I've never been, like, to Fremont and how Ariz knows Vegas in the 702, so... Fremont. Um, we went outside there okay. and stayed at Airbnb. We recorded some there. Then we had, you know, um, an opportunity to go to a huge studio in Vegas with a big artist. So we went to his setup. Um, and I'd never done anything like that in Vegas. You know, we went to the strippy and all that and did certain shit. But, like, you know, like, I've gone to the casino. We've done all that stuff. But to do what we did, like, that Oriz set up, like, he he really wanted to make sure we did the artist, um, you know, workshop is what we called it. And, and networking and actually meeting each other, just vibing. Like we just we hung out in the parking lot one time for like a couple hours at the I forgot what fucking place we were at because everybody was tripping. It was like at the Mirage <laughs> or something, but we were in the parking garage and we just stood in the parking lot for almost two, three hours because we were just drinking and you know, parking lot pimping. Like so it was just vibe, you know, it was awesome. Yeah. So we set that up and and he had myself and one other artist from Miami, like 
take the lead with it. And he started it five months ahead of time. And, and it only started out with a couple of us and ended up being 15. And that was the, supposed to be all 27 there. So the 15 and got there, it's like, whew, if you didn't make it there, like this was part of the test like that no one knew about. So like how we set it up with Luca and, you know, the CEO, Luca, I met twice. So I mentioned he like showed up out of the middle of nowhere. It's like a ghost. So, you know, reason set that up. We were like, where the fuck did this guy come from? So came down from the rafters. <laughs> something, bro. So, I no. And the only other time I saw him in Virginia, I mean, like I was in the fucking hood, the trap, and there were motherfuckers with AKs where I was like, AP, hey, you like the Bentley security? I'm like, fuck yeah, I do. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so the only other time I saw him, he appeared fucking Maurice had him show up in <laughs> Vegas, like David Blaine or whoever that fucking guy is out there. Something <laughs> like that. So but it was lit. It was a great time. Um Definitely different experience, like I said, from ever being out there before. You guys yeah, and that was the first time. That, that was the first time you guys. That was the first time you guys all got together, right? All finally met. Yeah, the whole group. Yep. Interesting. That's what's up, man. What were we saying, Andrew? <laughs> Did you guys go out to the intersection that Pot got shot at? <laughs> yeah, some people did. Yeah. So now I have to ask the quintessential question. Tupac or Biggie? I don't. I, as far as music wise, music wise, I, more more Pac, but I love both of them. All eyes on me. I mean, that was my favorite of the album. The double disc. I love both of those front to back. My dad used to come in my bedroom. He's like, "What are you listening to again? Two packs of sugar." I'm like, two packs of core, Dad. What the fuck?" <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like, "Ah." He's like, and he starts speaking to the town. He'd slam my fucking door. I'm like, "Okay." And I'm like, "What do you want me to put on? Life after the Life after death? The fucking Biggie double disc? Which one you want? You know what I mean? With Notorious Thugs. So I was bumping those, but then Ready to Die, Biggie's Biggie's first album, Ready to Die, with the little baby on the cover, like the white and red black album. Juicy was on there. All that. That was probably my favorite ones. But I love both. As far as that goes, like I said in the initial beginning, I was a lover of the music. So all the yeah. East Coast, West Coast battle, like it, it didn't have relevance with shit with me because I just wanted to hear the music and the art. So, mm-hmm. interesting. So, um, I wanted to save this for later, but I wanted to get a taste of what everybody in the chat feels and and how they their their flavor of music so let's go down and um list our top five rappers top since you know five. i feel like we're a fan of a lot of rappers actually let's go top three top three let's make it harder oh my god <laughs> so i'll go first honestly he's really slept on i think lupe fiasco is one of the best rappers in the game and if you don't agree with me you don't know what you're talking about i think personally <laughs> Uh, number two, I would go with Kanye West. Okay, that's and one of mine then. Okay. Number three, I'd have to say Lil Wayne. That's Lil number Wayne? three. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah, that was a hard three. I had to cut Mac Miller, you know what I mean? But give a give a sample um what's it called? Spotify playlist sample of, of my my taste of music, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I feel like I'd have to stick big L in there somewhere. 
I might, I might yeah. cut that, but <laughs> Kanye West, Big L. Let me let me think of a third. Let me think of a third. Even that says a lot about like your taste compared to mine. So it's interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sucker for those. You're that boom just, bap, just rhyme after school. rhyme yeah. after rhyme. In fact, I might even have to say big pun. Oh, now they're tied. Now they're tied. <laughs> big pun and big L. Hey, one so, only one big, bro. Uh, I know. Only one big. <laughs> I'm a sucker for those big rappers, man. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> oh, that's tough. That's very tough. I mean, I don't even think you guys can think of your top threes. Oh. Uh. Oh my god. This is so <laughs> <laughs> It's not that deep, bro. It's not that deep. Like I want to, <laughs> I want to say Nas, right? But uh, like, yeah, you have Nas tatted on your yeah. fucking arm, bro. How you ain't gonna see? But Nas? he's just like the next evolution of Rakim, is the thing. So like, <laughs> can I just say Rakim? Or? That is true, actually. So that's a good way to put it. And you know, it like, I, like I might as well. Oh, then I might as well just say J Cole <laughs> or something. So, <laughs> um. And you know, yeah, Kanye and two New York rappers. <laughs> that's that's probably what I'm gonna go with. Um, fuck yeah, you say. Okay. Yeah, Nas, Kanye. If I were if I were younger, if I were like still in high school, I'd probably stick Common in there. Yeah. Third third one's up for grabs right now. Third one's still up for grabs. Let's just, let's just say, let's let's just say Big L, Big L, Nas, and Kanye West. Okay. Solid pick. So I mean, it's hard to pick three. Um, yeah. I'll, in no particular order, Andre three thousand. I think a lot of people don't mention him a lot, but he, he's he's fucking dope with it. Um, I've always liked his style. Um, J Cole. I mean, he's just. He's always been my favorite. Say, bro. Yeah. So <laughs> J. Cole, I mean, I'm trying to not pick something typical, obviously, but J. Cole definitely is kind of not something I could just pass up on. But um Your son's man. name is J. Cole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bro, about, let, me, let me just say Andrew has Nas tatted on him. This fool's son's name is J. Cole. And you're supposed to like, um, it would have been too easy. Like it's I have too easy, that's why. Like, that's that's the like, obvious one for me. Like that's why it was just too easy. But you <laughs> know, easy. definitely there's more in the top three for you. But so I got Andre three thousand. I got J Cole. Um, let's just go with uh, MF Doom. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it's a weird uh, Spotify playlist. I listen to everything. <laughs> the Friday night Spotify playlist for for the drive. All right, so this is tough. I like top five, but three is even harder. Yeah, I think there's like you gotta do like mainstream and like underground. Like people would be thrown off if you had three lyrical motherfuckers on the underground side. But I'll I'll stick with more like I'm gonna say M Wayne, and and it's like a close third fourth with Pac and Biggie, and then yeah M. No, M. Wayne and Pac. I'll say that right now. And if you gave me mm-hmm. fourth and fifth, I'm throwing in there Biggie and Kanye. Okay. Okay. If you go way underground to me, like, see, like, I even, like, 
like lyrical wise and like hip hop stuff, like like immortal techniques, sea rays, balls, atmosphere, like mm. shit like that too. You know what I mean? Like Busta Rhymes. You even had like mm. shit. That's a good look. You know what I mean? Like people that have real lyrical fucking flow like that, like that, like you said, Lupe Fiasco too. Like I mean, like th- there's motherfuckers that are slept on just because of what's so much that's mainstream and that like is like pop culture shit. So mm-hmm. there's context like Kanye West, like all the first college dropout, second college dropout, them shits are lyrical as fuck, mm-hmm. ridiculous. So would you say Kanye too? Like a lot of people hate on Kanye. Like people forget. Like this guy wrote a lot of chicken and beer and produced for Ludacris. This guy was producing for Jay Z and The Rock yeah. before he got in the car accident and did The Wire when his fucking mouth was shut, shut. You know what I mean? But I think a lot of the hate that Kanye gets is not necessarily for his music, but for how he's fucking acting. And oh yeah, a lot of people just immediately shut him out now because of how he acts. And yeah, I understand. FLX weird as fuck but i still listen to his fucking music because he made, oh, yeah. he made oh, yeah. dope ass music but um i haven't really been a fan of his new stuff as cliche as that sounds i think the last best one that i heard was um my dark twisted fantasy or is, is that what yeah i think that was the last good one maybe saint pablo but you know, I, I never really gave it that much of a playthrough but saint pablo did have some good ones but i really liked my dark twisted fantasy. The thing about Kanye is he's an artist. You know what yeah. I mean? Like oh, he's he got sick is. ass bars too, but I would say his bars aren't his strength. It's the overall yeah. product of what you're it's getting. The, experience with Kanye. Of his music. the feel, the beat, you know what I mean? The just how simple the bars are and it fits perfectly to his puzzle piece that he's making kind of thing. You know what I mean? What's what your I can, favorite Kanye bar? What dude, the thing about Kanye bar? is I think some of his best shit is his unreleased stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of unreleased songs that the bars are too raw to where you get into that trap that Lupe fiasco gets into where it's too complex that he needs to dumb it down you know what i mean <laughs> so he knows that it's the simple stuff that gets is catchy it's simple stuff that works so he saves his complex stuff that the boom bap lyrical heads like for the unreleased shit because the boom bap lyrical heads are the motherfuckers that go look for unreleased shit anyways you know yeah. what i'm saying <laughs> but it's funny because just talking about our top three, I can already tell that we all like lyricism, right? We all like spitters, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We all kind of said Lil Wayne, Kanye West. I said Lupe, so I obviously like the fucking triple, quadruple entendres. You listen to this song, oh, yeah. it means something else. You listen to it again, it means something else again type <laughs> shit, you know what I mean? Andrew likes Big L, so he likes that raw boom bap type of spitting. J. Cole, J. Cole with with um Jermaine and Andre 3000. So he likes the poetic kind of spitting, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And AP, you like Eminem, you like Lil Wayne and Tupac, you like the fucking I touch you, you know, deep and sharp with what I'm telling you. You know what I mean? Ain't no need to look my lyrics up. Like what you hear is what you're getting, and what I'm saying is real type shit. You know what I mean? So as 
we get older, right? We know that rapping, obviously we talked about rapping being down to its core. It's gangster and it's cool because you're rapping about what's real. You're rapping about what's about you, right? And some of these rappers, um, in the beginning, they're in the hood. They're in the struggle. So they're rapping about that. But now they're fucking in like, sweets you know what i mean fucking like bentley's and fucking helicopters and shit but they (laughs) still gotta rap about the fucking hood and shit you know what i mean um as mature rap connoisseurs and people like drake coming out now you know we talked about kanye west you know sometimes you know kanye doesn't even write his flows you know what i mean does it matter that the artist writes his verses being fans of lyricism right now, or does it just matter what the overall product is going to be? Kind of like Drake is, because you know them. Every time I hear that badass Drake song, I'm like, uh, who wrote this shit, bro? Yeah. I know you didn't write this shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you guys think about that? I think it's important <laughs> to write your own shit if you're going to be a lyricist. You know, like, okay, there's no ghost writing. Like, if if you know, like, if you found out, let's say, Drill, like, if you found out Lupe Fiasco had a ghostwriter on all those songs, you fuck, it would change your perspective on them. You'd be like, yeah, what the fuck? Right. Like, true. <laughs> that sucks. And then for for Andrew, like, Big L, you find out Big L had a ghostwriter, you're like, yo, I don't want to listen to Big L. I'm going to listen to ghostwriter. What the fuck is this? You know, um, it definitely does change. But for guys like Drake, yeah. I mean, I've said this before in different pods. Um, I listen to Drake, but I don't listen to Drake. You know, I don't really, you know, I, he's just going to be background noise, but I don't listen to what he's saying because put that on a I'm shirt. Not, yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't find music <laughs> I don't that listen to Drake. I don't find, I don't, I don't listen think, to Drake, but I don't <laughs> listen to Drake. <laughs> no, I listen to Drake, but I don't listen to him because I just like you, ghost writers, you know, and he's been exposed for that and he's jocked other people's rhyme schemes. And it's just like, oh, okay. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think, like I said, just going back, it's, you can't you can't call yourself a lyricist and then have a ghostwriter. It just doesn't work that way. Hmm. I agree. Yeah. I was I was mad as fuck when I heard the rumors a long time ago that Wayne had ghostwriters. So I mean, to me that takes away the authentic <gasps> rawness at certain times, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think in order to be categorized as that, like you said, like how Drake bites other styles or or just, you know, copying certain patterns or sounds or trying to mimic it. Yeah. And even the terms like that takes it away. And so. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard because like if it's marketed as an artist, you know what I mean? And you know what you're hearing is fabricated. Is mm-hmm. it received the same way? You know what I mean? Like, it goes back to what you said, like people know what's raw. People know what's real. So do they though? You know what I mean? If they're, if, if you're able to be fooled, like that's good enough, right? <laughs> Sometimes. So I feel like, cause there's people like even Travis Scott, you know what I mean? Like his music's fucking next level, but I mean, he's more of an artist where damn, I have this crazy hook of a beat. Like, I need a verse for this. Hit up the homie for the verse, you know what I mean? So, it's pretty crazy. I feel like 
back when we got into rap, it was more competitive. You know what I mean? Like my style, your style. And then towards the end, it started becoming very cooperative, you know? And now it's starting to be too cooperative, creative, to where it's almost like motherfuckers are writing each other's shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is not a bad thing, I don't think. You know what I mean? I just feel like the audience, and it's happening with MMA right now, I don't think the audience is ready for that shift of the culture. You know what I mean? It's good for the creators. It's good for the participants of the culture. But for the consumers of it, it's almost like they still need to catch up to what's what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Because it also goes to like, we talked about Drake, like a freestyle, even that shit, right? Like, uh, I got freestyle, yo, yo. <laughs> <laughs> With the phone in front of you. Yeah, about my right. freestyle. Written. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. sometimes, I mean, for me, like, if you hear it first and it says freestyle and you hear it, it's like, damn, this shit's hardcore. Then, you know, you look into it later on and you find out it's written. It's like, damn, that shit sucks. You know what I mean? I wish it was a freestyle kind of thing. How do you guys feel about that? I think it's common though. A lot of people, when they go on these freestyle shows, it's a bunch of lyrics they've already had written up, you know? So they, they go on there and they kind of fuse it with other lines they've put together. And, I've heard other artists like, wait, didn't they freestyle that shit? And it's now in a song, you know? So um, it's, it's, it doesn't bother me too much as long as they're written, I guess. But like you said, it's cooler if it's an actual freestyle. But can you imagine someone freestyling using a ghostwriter shit? <laughs> They're like, whoa, what the fuck is that? So, <laughs> I mean, as long as they wrote it, I guess I'm cool with it. But, um, but that's what separates. I mean, uh, I forgot who said, it, but there's, there's freestylers and there's writers. And um, I remember there was this thing, Pitbull, he he started off just as a freestyle rapper. And then Irv God, he told him, hey, that's cool and all, but freestyle is not going to nah, get you bro. paid. Yeah, and so. It's crazy. And then Irv God, he told him, that, that's not going to get you paid. You got to start writing music. So Pitbull started writing music and look at him now. He's blowing up because yeah, Irv God, he loved his style. He's like, dude, that's just tight, but you ain't going to make money as a freestyler. So. You're not going to be worldwide if you're he wasn't worldwide. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was going to make it worldwide. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I asked, how often do you have to freestyle AP being in this field? I always wondered. And are you judged on your freestyle? You <laughs> know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that the environment of the freestyle happens usually out when we're drinking. People want to freestyle. They usually get smashed. They can't judge or come close. But, <laughs> and I'm not being cocky. It's always come with the territory. I've always been quick on my feet with words and subliminal shit and innuendos. Um, and then I think, like, in the studio, we'll fuck around and we'll throw words around. And just, like, if we're coming to the concept or spitballing while we're trying to write a song, like, we'll freestyle then. And um, sometimes we've just just gone right in the booth and we'll just like just fucking freestyle and see what happens and then we may pull something out of the freestyle and be like that's what we're gonna make the song with like you know something like that so like um yeah. we'll, we'll joke around too with like something stupid or someone said something that's sounding you know corny or whatever the fuck they said so yeah people get judged yeah hell yeah they do <laughs> <laughs> comes a hug to the next song and shit and they fucking hate it every time they hear it <laughs> yeah right <laughs> <laughs> it's a sample fucking to the beat all <laughs> right that's funny man man freestyling used to be 
I feel like what really made me fall in love with rap, you know, like all the cool lines and stuff obviously is what attracted me to rap. But once I fell into the rabbit hole of freestyle rapping and battle rap, that's what fucking sold it on me. I think that's why I really fucked with Eminem. You know what I mean? I've said this on the podcast before. I think it was the second episode. I think Slim Shady and Eminem are two different artists, you know? Oh, yeah. So I take that back. That's why I really fucked with Slim Shady <laughs> because he was crazy. And interestingly enough, it was funny because Slim Shady, I feel like looking at, looking into Eminem's career, I think from what I looked into, and any struggling artist will probably draw some inspiration from this is, no matter how fucking good this fool was, I mean, we're, we're all fans of the boom bap lyr- lyrical rap style. His style prior to going full Slim Shady, like the infinite days, you know? Yo, crazy, man. Like, talk about like kind of AZ, kind of old school Nas flow type shit. Exactly you know what I mean? It was, <laughs> it was a nice flow, yeah. man. Yep. Talking about positive shit, talking about like hip hop back in the day, you know, topics. And it wasn't getting him anywhere. And I think he was almost at the end of his efforts to try to go at this. So he just started doing experimental shit and was going crazy, switching up his voice pitch and shit. And that's when he came up with Hi, My Name Is and... I mean, damn, my conspiratorial side is trying to draw me into it. That's when the fucking labels were like, hey, let's sign this fool. You know what I mean? Whether or not that was like the entity kind of latching on him. And that's why the label fucking was like, he's prime. Let's pick him. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's another conversation to have. But it's funny because now that pitch changing voice, you could say, is what kind of birthed Lil Wayne style, which birthed Kendrick Lamar style, right? Mm-hmm. It's pretty crazy. Um, and I feel like artists like you who are inspired by different artists are are able to pull from different sources. So really, like when you start to go, you know, fuck it, I'm going to sing now on this one. It's not really out there for you. It's like, I'm just pulling from this bucket. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm not kind of just going random like, well, I'm going to try to sing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I think it's, but it's referencing cool. like that sound that you're peel, you're pulling out of that bucket, like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's almost like it. like almost like you said, like layers, like how an M did Infinite when he was like in the the rap Olympics that whole time with when he had the ICP shit when he was battling them and and everything when he came <sighs> in the rap Olympics. And then you said like he morphed into the Slim Shady LP with the pills on the cover with Role Model, um, Just Don't Give a Fuck, I Still Don't Give a Fuck, but both mm-hmm. those tracks are on there. Yeah, crazy, crazy album, bro. I actually just started listening to it again. And these out, al- I don't know if you guys have taken a break from rap, but listening to the music and albums you used to listen to back in high school when you were going through puberty and all that crazy <laughs> hormone stuff, hmm. it's almost like, damn, I can't believe I survived listening to this music and didn't <laughs> like. I do anything my mom violent or crazy. <laughs> my mom was right. <laughs> <laughs> like what fifth grader would listen to the Slim Shady LP? Literally <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I bought that shit on cassette. That's how long. <laughs> Damn. 
if you have it, that's probably worth a lot, bro. I don't. That'd be cool though, but yeah. it's crazy because as far as that labels finally reaching out to you, isn't that everybody's goal though, as a musician? You know what I mean? That's supposed to be a good thing when the labels hit you up or recognize you, right? Because that's ultimately the goal to get a platform. But what's cool about Bentley label, it sounds like is they encourage you to be who you are and kind of let you nurture and grow into your own artist, which is different from the mainstream and kind of the bigger labels out there. We talked about Lincoln Park and Lupe Fiasco. Those are really big names in the music industry, but even they were trying to fight for their own identity against the label in their musical journey as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Lupe Fiasco food and liquor. The first one, right? That's the first album he came out with that food, food and liquor. That, that fucking album is crazy. My favorite song later. I didn't like it when it came out. Kick push. Did you guys know that song's about fucking drug dealing and not skateboarding? Yeah. Kick push. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. Pushing. I was about push. Yeah, bro. It's one of those things. If you listen to it again, it's like, damn, this this, this song's crazy. But dumb it down was his next next single for the for the second album, and then the third album was Lasers, right? Which is very label heavy, yeah. and I think he had some tracks on the second album and the third album kind of talking about how he's he's fucking you know bending over backwards to try to keep his own creative identity despite you know being signed to the label and the in lincoln park i think when they were first were found out they said that mike shinoda should stop rapping and just play fucking keyboard you know yeah (laughs) the label the label wanted him they were kind of trying to drive him out by just saying play keyboard and hoping that maybe he'd be like, I don't want to do that. And he leaves because they're like, you have a vocalist. It's Chester, you know, and yeah. Chester is an amazing vocalist. There's no vocalist like him. Right. And they just thought Mike Shinoda doing the rap was just doing too much. And, but they stuck with it and it worked. It looked, I mean, there's such an iconic band. You can't, you can't put anyone against them in that genre. I agree. I think that um, critiquing and coaching and giving people tools that enable them to do something is different. That's what Bentley was doing, whereas when you guys broke that down, especially with Lupe, I think it was the second I was like, hip-hop saved my life was when the Trey said he put out the track, producer made him take it down, said he had to pay, you know, that line from that. And then on Lasers, he had the the track, like the Madonna song is what it's called, I think. Revelanasa, Madonna, like something like that, like where they're trying to, you know, more popularize him. But um, back to what you're saying with, with, with Lincoln Park and that, where they, they tried to change them. I think back to what I said, not changing, critiquing and coaching and giving them tools, enabling them what they couldn't do is more like what Bentley does. They, they give you to the door and you can open the door if you want. You own 97%, they get three, you know what I mean? So, and the three is donated. So as far as that's concerned, I mean, you can already see that picture right there. You get everything. But like I said, they're, they're enabling you and not trying to change you. Um, so anything I've come across more has been a constructive criticism, I'd say, and um, approach it this way and maybe 
do this and change this, but keep it unique in the way you have it. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. Bentley sounds great, man. I haven't heard of a label that does this kind of stuff. I've never heard of of any kind of label that supports the artist like how you're describing. Mostly when I hear about labels, it's just there's bad news. Kind of like what you're talking about with Lupe and them. Yeah, and it, it seems that a lot of the people that are involved are investors. So, um, you know, the Luke and Days is a board of advisors. I know the two are Jermaine Dupree and Rick Ross. So those are the board of advisors to Bentley Records. So I don't know what every person's role is. You know, Luke is the CEO. So from the top down, they have investors to where I think it's more of um, Luke and people that are on the forefronts relate more to the artist as the CEO and he has his board of advisors, Rick Ross, Jermaine Dupree. So I think that the people that are leading the fronts are the people that are people of pioneers and, and love and have passion for music. So they know coming from the artist how it's going to be because I know that other labels, they fuck, they fuck artists over. Like I said, the scams and people were coming across initially. So I think they're trying to change it because of the other business axes that they have with that. Like I said, the different names and people involved, there's a, a layer of lettuce and you don't even know how many layers there may be with the people. So. So now that you guys are kind of gaining momentum and it sounds like, I mean, from the first time Ori's talked about building records on the podcast, it sounds like they set you up and they take care of you more than they try to squeeze out sales and records, you know what I mean? Which is unusual in the business. Is it hard now to get into Bentley records than it was prior to, you know, establishing? How does that work? If there's an up and coming artist that's kind of interested in, in somehow getting into the gang, you know what I mean? Yes, sir. Uh, it, it's like, I'd say there's tears to it and, you know, I would say, like you brought up pushing records and sales, that's not their MO. They want you to invest in the label, in yourself. Mm. And it may come across as like you or me, like, you're like why do they want my money that way? Well, a Wiz Khalifa and Lil Wayne feature are anywhere from 50000 to hundred grand. And our reason I didn't pay that for it. You know what I mean? So because of the people involved, like Rick Ross, Jermaine Dupree, there's a rate that we benefited from getting that. So, yeah, we had to pay to get those features but a way, way discounted rate, whereas that puts us in a different tier of what kind of Bentley artists we are, whereas someone who may come out and just sign as an independent artist with them. Um, did you buy your own Vivo channel from them? Did you, um, are you investing yourself in part of the tour? Because you can go on tour with them, but you know, there's a cost for that. So they're not going to take, where people may look at that the wrong way, well, why do I have to pay for the tour? Well, you're an independent artist. Do you have a tour manager? Do you have a coordinator? Do you have event staff? Do you got security? Do you got bar, you know, door guy? Do you got ID mm -hmm. check? You know what I mean? So when people don't know the layers of what goes into, like if you want to go and perform live and expand your brand sound, you want to become someone that's known as an artist across the country, whatever, they're, they're going to give you things that where, when I said, if you come in initially, anyone can come in, but there's like tears to it. So we're like, where Reese and I are at, I think that like where we're getting the momentum, they didn't have these things before when Bentley started. I think it was, um, they're coming up on the 10 year anniversary. So 2013. So you couldn't get all these features and those, those ones like with Lil Wayne and, and Wiz Khalifa aren't the only ones they offer other ones. So I think if you want to invest and distribute your music as an entry level artist, that's where a lot of us started out and not mm -hmm. knowing what you could get into at Bentley. Like I didn't even 
imagine or dream of ever being on a fucking song with Wiz and then, you know, become an independent artist with them. I'm in the platform. It's like, go to the Bentley Records I.O. shop. Major featured artists. You got fucking Fat Joe on there, Wiz Khalifa, Lil Wayne, Migos, which is probably the most on there. R.I.P. Takeoff. I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, you could do all of this. And I'm like Googling on, at the same time, like average costs to do a feature with these artists. I'm like, shut the fuck up. So, yeah, yeah. so like to, to elaborate more on that. So then like when I did that, when I decided I want to go on tour, when I've invested X amount, like what reason I've invested a lot is independent artists with them to get where we're at. Then I started to get calls from Luca. Then he starts to believe in it more when he sees you are investing in yourself and you're growing or that you're, you're an upcoming or rising artist and that you know, you're, you're getting traction. So I think the initial standpoint is getting on with them as an independent artist and then whatever tools you need that you can't get yourself. You know, like there's certain things I'm still doing myself that Bentley offers, but not that it's cheaper for a certain reason. It's just because I like the way it is now, which they don't have a gripe about. But then, um, like I said, on the other side of things, um, with being an artist with them, I'm a Bentley Gold artist. It's the highest level you can get. And um, I know that all 600 aren't on there, but from an investment standpoint and really believing in the music, I'm not just distributing music once a year with Bentley as one of their 600 artists and just hoping I get the streams and all that because everybody knows you're not going to make it off that if you're in music. So as if that makes sense to answer with information, brother. Yeah, it totally does. And I'm curious, man. When you are going into a track with Wiz Khalifa or Lowen, is it different going into it? I mean, I, I fight. Obviously, if I was scheduled to fight a big name fighter, I would feel some type of way. But the goal would be trying to go into it, not feeling some type of way. So how is that? Like, do you try to kind of calm the nerves and go into it as cold-blooded AP? I don't give a fuck. I'm going to spit my shit. Or you kind of be like, no, I'm going to go there. Platinum AP kind of up my level, you know, I mean, match with Khalifa. How is the difference in going into the booth with that? Man, it was all, it is still all crazy. It was vague, <laughs> vague. I got a beat. I got no lyrics, nothing except the name of the song and what vibe to keep it at, you know. Okay. And it was it's a chill, melodic whiz beat. And it's like, give us your best 16-bar verse, send it back. And I'm like, okay. Uh, <laughs> and, and I hadn't sent it yet. So I'm like, you said, I'm, I'm trying to think of what I want to do. I listened to the beat probably fucking 50 times before I even tried to put a word to it. And it's got them whiz, you know, eerie little sounds and vibe. You know, yeah, like Lil Wiz, you're smoking and riding currency type track when they used to do, you know, OJ, OG and Kush, fucking oh, rolling shit. papers, 28 grams, all those mixtapes back in the Dat Piff day before all this stuff now. Um, yeah. And I was sitting there and I've been to the studio multiple times just working on other tracks with Bentley and other Bentley art, independent artists. And then Bentley Gold representative hits me up. They're like, we need your Wizverse ASAP. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> so, like, so like going into it, brother, to answer your question, like I'm not knowing what to expect. I've never done this before. I'm like, am I going to get to see and meet Wiz Khalid? Am I be smoking fucking joints with Wiz? Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, so like once it got to the point of like how it's going to work and all this, it was like, and then signing just the legal forms and his management team that sent back and forth. It's just been vague, and I just follow when I get something to follow their lead. I, I was going to send them the track when it was ready, but all of a sudden it was like they wanted it. And, and I know Orrees went through something different with the Lil Wayne track, but 
the way that they recorded it, it was funny too, because he wasn't sure. He told me what he wanted to do. And then Luca Days was there in person with him and they were recording the Lil Wayne track and I was fucking mind blown. So like it, it just, it was, it was all unexpected. It was like, you think something would be more a uh, uniform or structured. They give you the whole black and white picture, no gray area, complete transparency, but it was like, no, you just this little independent artist right here. You with the big dogs now. Here's yeah. what we give you. When we give you, and then when we ask for it, we want it ASAP. I was like, "Fuck!" But <laughs> it's all new to me. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I, you know, like I said, done songs with plenty of other artists, but nothing like Wiz Khalifa. So to give you the full rundown, that's where we're at right now. It's hopefully going to be out this year before the new year starts. I signed all the paperwork and everything. Same with our reason, the Wayne track. Which, to be honest with you. That motherfucker is a banger. Like the Wiz track that I'm on, it's it's more melodic and vibe, smoking ride. Like, bro, the the song, the name of the song, that Orizon Lil Wayne. I can't say, it, but like when you see it when it drops, it's so any day, hopefully, you'll know exactly what it's about. And it slaps. That motherfucker slaps. Oh, yeah. I keep telling Orizan, he's got this Lil Wayne vibe. Like if there's other songs, like we recorded some in Vegas, and he's just got this flow and he keeps coming like Wayne on the track, but like it's not like it's identical. It's Orisa's flow with a Wayne twist. Like you said, Jerry's like you're reaching in that fucking bucket over there. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. That's a man. That's hard because even for us when we make music, when I really like the beat, it's like, oh man, you know what I mean? I gotta come hard on this beat and and, and you know have my my best flows. Sometimes I'll have fucking three different verses for the fucking song. You know what I mean? <laughs> so with you, you know, having to meet a deadline and send a verse over to Lil Wayne or Wiz Khalifa, you don't want to fucking hear that shit. I'm like, oh, fuck, I should have added this. Should have right. changed that. You know what I mean? I should have went with this verse. Oh, oh man. It's it's I, almost I, like a it's almost like a a blessing and a curse and it's one of those things where it's like heavy is the head that wears the crown type of shit you know what i mean yeah and i followed (laughs) the whiz style i mean like to just touch on that back where you said like i went in there and i didn't go all ap because of the way that they wanted it then and i asked Mm. luke and i'm like give me feedback and i sent it too because if you need me to do it again i will and they sent back i think two words or no very well received i was like oh (laughs) <laughs> i would love to hear that so and, and i went with that approach like you know you asked that initially before I, I went in depth on the question um and i went with the whiz approach to it i went with his kind of like melodic vibe flow to it and and i didn't you know go full ap but i gave a little twist and touch at the end where i i took it to whiz and then went back to me but brought it back to the way the song was so hell yeah that's what's up man yes sir Jeez. So that's kind of up there as far as like a collab. Dream collab. Who are some big names that, or not even big names, who are some names that are on your bucket list as far as wanting to work with them in the industry? Uh, You know, there's always dreams and things like that. I'd want to do that with in, in more of, in a realistic sense, I think yeah. that when the opportunity presents itself, whoever that, like I mentioned, Lucas networked us with, there's names like Rick Ross, Jermaine Dupree, um, you know, and you could go meet and see them for an opportunity when there's things on the platform that there's a conference or like they throw the party on the Super Bowl. 
Um, but one of the people more that I want to work with or get involved with, they have more like R&B people. And I know that um, Maurice is as well, like um, Lords Capral, she's a European artist and she's got huge fame out in Europe and America. And then like Jackie's boy, he's on Bentley Records, but um, you know, more people like, I, I don't know the extent of where they'll add more artists, but I'd really love to work with Luca and Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg is a track with Luca Days called Blow Your Mind, and they put it out in 2021. Um, I think it'd be awesome just to work with Uncle Snoop in any fashion or form, whether I'm part of a big tour I hear that's coming up, not one that reason they're doing, and there's a Rick Ross tour coming. I don't know if we're part of that or not, or who is and whatnot, but just to be there in any fashion, maybe if Snoop and Luca perform Blow Your Mind. Um, you know, there's another gentleman that we saw in Vegas, legendary Mark West. He's done songs with Sean Kingston. So I think in all realistic fashion, um, the biggest icons that are are with the, the brand and the business right now. And then from my standpoint, you know, I know Ariz is on the Wayne track, but Wayne or M for sure. You know, Dr. Mm. Dre too. I mean, I, I I talked about a lot of Dre references earlier in the talk and he's touched on a lot of art and things going around, but just, I mean, there's something he said and I saw it and it'll probably blow your guy's mind too. He's worked with so many artists. He was asked what artists he's turned down in his career. He gratefully regretted. And it was Prince and Michael Jackson. Oh, shit. And Dr. Dre. And they said, why? It was, it's, it's on a Kevin Hart po podcast somewhere. Why? And he's like, it was during the Suge Knight, Snoop Dogg, Death Row. Where he's like, I felt like I had nothing to offer them. I was fucking mind blown. So that's what we're talking about. I'd love to work with just Dre because of just how talented and how much his sound and how many different artists and people he's worked with. And this sounds like you guys brought up Kendrick Lamar. And if certain things didn't happen, he wouldn't have been created. I mean, like how Dre's worked with him and just all these different people his entire career. He'd be a, he'd be a great one too. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't know for me, you guys chime in too. I wouldn't want to rap with someone too good. Cause it's like, <laughs> fuck, bro, turn, turn his vocals down or just do the hook. You know what I mean? <laughs> I feel you, brother. You know, me, I'm, I'm humbled and honored, you know what I mean, just to have the opportunity because I think that, it, you know, you wouldn't be on there if you were dog water in certain extents. Not people is going to toot your horn or be the armchair crew. Like, yeah, bro, that shit's dope. Let's fucking turn this down. You know what I mean? So I think yeah. once you're there, that shouldn't even I'm, – I'm more humbled and honored to be a part of something that's like, you know what I mean, something like that. Yeah, that's funny. But, yeah, that, I guess that's what – that's the kind of mindset that makes you miss opportunities. Kind of what happened with Dre. That's interesting to 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 note, right? Crazy. I mean, like think about think about Michael Jackson and Prince and the 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 icons that they are as far as way bigger than any other music that there is in the world. Like that, you know what I mean? Michael Jackson. No one. I don't think anyone will ever top some of the numbers he's done. So no, just to no, hear. No. From I mean, but being honest from a business standpoint, then, you know, Dre didn't look at it like that. And that's how you know he was about the music because, you know, he said he had nothing to offer to them at that time. So, mm -hmm. but I mean, like, unless people want to really kill themselves on the track, like M and Jay-Z did a couple of times, you know, like that, you know, on, on Renegade when M did that. Yeah. So, I, mean, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. See that that I, I feel like Renegade was one of those tracks where I feel like those like I said, being in the booth, sometimes there's those 
sessions where it's like you spit fire other person spits fire and you're like nah fuck that and you go back in and they're like nah fuck that and they go back in and it's kind of like this goku vegeta kind of training session where you guys are trying to you know what i mean kind of oh, be neck and neck that, did you guys <laughs> yeah. see that video i think uh buster rhymes was on a podcast and he was talking about this time he was he was doing a song with eminem was his calm down and then like you know he was just he was trying to get um what is it he sent he sent his uh what he sent his 16 over to eminem and eminem sends him back like a 20. <laughs> and then uh Buster Rhymes is like, no, I can't go out like that. So he sends Eminem like like 30 or something more than Eminem sends him back like 70. And <laughs> they just keep competing. They just keep sending each other more more bars for it. And I'm assuming that's why it's called calm down. But yeah, just just that competitive spirit is what oh, wow. made them great on that song. Yeah, that's a crazy track. They just elevated each other, like you said, they just kept taking it up. Yeah, dude. Mm-hmm. It was I got less of that again. <laughs> so. I don't think I've even heard that song before. Calm down. Bust rhymes and Eminem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh it samples uh ah oh, tip of my tongue. Um some old some old early nineties song. Um where is it? Chat GPT, bro. Probably knows. I saw this thing on Reddit. It was interesting. And I want to bring it up here. Who do you think is more of an icon in the rap game? If you had to pick one, Lil Wayne or Snoop Dogg? More of an icon? Yeah. Between those two? Huh. I would say Snoop is in, uh, from what I've seen in basic like media, uh, like TV. And on like radio, I've seen more Snoop stuff, but I feel like what I don't know. Maybe I just don't watch enough TV. I, I'm sure Wayne is involved in other things too. Like Wayne was in the Street Fighter Six commercial, so <laughs> I'm sure there's some things that I, that little Wayne is involved in that I haven't seen. But from what I see, Snoop seems a bit just more iconic. Seems a bit more prevalent is the word that I feel like is synonymous with iconic. Okay, fair enough. I think, yeah, if we're talking in general terms, that's Snoop Dogg. But if we're just going for just straight music, I think Wayne, because he is argu- there's so many debates about he's he's set up so many debates about whether he's the greatest rapper alive. You got so many people saying, no, he's fucking terrible. And you got people saying, no, he's fucking dope. So in music, in a music sense, I go with Lil Wayne. But in a general sense, like what you're saying, Andrew, it's definitely mm-hmm. Soup Dog because he's got Corona commercials. He's got <laughs> he's yeah. he's got a skin in Call of Duty, um, <laughs> right? So he's definitely a household name because everyone knows who he is. But when you're breaking it down to the music, I think Lil Wayne is probably more iconic because he's he's made a lot of songs that's made people think and guess whether he's the greatest rapper or. Like I said, there's a lot of people who don't like him and say, nah, he's terrible. He just says this, his rhymes are whack. It, he's opened up so many debates about him and Snoop Dogg. Everyone, every, for the most part, everyone likes Snoop. He's just a very likable guy. His music is easy to like. And Wayne is on that kind of controversial sense in a way. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. I'd say Wayne, like you said, rap world and then household names, a great term. Whoever said that for Snoop Dogg, like, you know, they. Mm-hmm. 
He, did, he doesn't need that shit with Martha Stewart, too. Like, I saw... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This man's prevalent. This guy's all over the place. I saw a Bic commercial. They were both holding the Bic and, like, Snoop Dogg's, like, putting it in the grill, and she's lighting a candle. I'm like, they put fucking Snoop and Martha Stewart in a lighter commercial. And then put him by the grill and her by the candle. You know he's really lighting a fucking joint. He ain't like no grill. Shout out to the agent. out Martha Stewart, which is cool. And Martha Stewart's just smoking with him, so... Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's it's kind of like two different artists, and you're kind of comparing apples and oranges if you really want to put it together. But when it comes to music, <clears throat> I'll go with Lil Wayne. Musically, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. If we're talking about pop stars or celebrities, I go with Snoop Dogg because, like what you yeah. said, all that. But I feel like, again, we go back into the rap heads and the rap nerds. They care about mm-hmm. if you write your own shit. We care about if it's a real freestyle. You know what I mean? I think street cred and into that audience and population of rap heads, I feel like the icon goes to to fucking with his face, to Lil Wayne. You know what I mean? It's almost like it's almost like a Jordan LeBron debate. You know what I mean? <laughs> Where it's like skills versus like what he's done overall for basketball type shit. So interesting. You know, while I was thinking about it and really breaking this down, they're kind of similar. You know what I mean? They kind of make up their own words, their own slang, you know? Oh, yeah. And I was going to kind of bring up the fact that Snoop Dogg did California Girls with Katy Perry. But Lil <laughs> Wayne has done a bunch of other weird shit, too. You know what I'm saying? So he's got his own. Yeah. his rock shit right like he was trying to do his own little rock because he i remember he went on tour with blink 182 and the fans were like what the fuck is this and they boot him off stage (laughs) (laughs) and he he wasn't having he's like dude like he pretty much walked out on blink 182 and they were trying to bring him i just thought that was like you said like the katie perry thing was a weird thing but yeah stupid dogs at that point where people are going to offer him good money just to make a song and fuck it take it you know he just see that he's at a point where he doesn't need to prove anything anymore just go make money and um little wayne trying out the rock thing it's a little different because it's just like okay you're trying a new genre you don't know if that's gonna work it's not like he's being paid to do rock he's like no i'm gonna do rock and it's just like what the fuck is that <laughs> it was like that whole skateboard phase he had too i know what you're talking about. He, did, he did a whole yeah. rock album it wasn't just one yeah. song like a whole album yeah, yeah. and it was kind of like you know, that People was tried one. skating too. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of his fans are like, well, "Is he okay? Oh, What's this guy yeah, doing?" He fell, right? right? Didn't he fall? Yes. Yeah. Oh, he fell. yeah. Ugh, shit. Uh, you know what though? What's respectful about that is he wanted to try something new out of create. You know, out of sp- uh, a sense of creativity, other than or opposed to wanting to try something else in a sense of profit. You know what I mean? So it's almost like, you know, he, he flew his own plane, but he crashed compared to these guys ask you to get, get on this flight of this plane that they already kind of have. You know what I mean? Pretty interesting. You know, Reese just texted me cause he's watching and he said, Stoop dog stole, drop it like it's hot from Wayne. I did not know that. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. So I told him to jump in the chat. Just talk to us there. Stop texting me. 
What one other question I saw too is uh we talk about classics all the time. And it's funny because when Kendrick Lamar came out and his albums were coming out, I had friends that although I did agree Kendrick Lamar is a great artist and yeah. later on down the line, he's gonna be one of the best rappers. You know, we're gonna be talking about him the same way we're gonna be talking about Lupe and Eminem and Lil Wayne. But you know, they say that he <laughs> where am I trying to go with this? At the time when he came out with was it uh, Good Kid Mad City, everyone yeah. already was like, Man, this is a classic, you know, top ten rap albums, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> the next album came out, oh, this is a classic. I'm like, bro, how's it a classic if it just came out, dog? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. Um, but later down the line, when you look back on it, it's a classic. So I wanted to ask you guys what defines classic, you know what I mean? How do you differentiate and label an album as a classic album? What do you guys say? Something unique, something too easy to say. <laughs> something it's almost <laughs> when I think when I think of a classic, it's kind of just like something that hasn't sure it hasn't been done before. It doesn't. Right. It it sounds a lot more different than the rest of the stuff that came out at its time. That's mm-hmm. to the best of its abilities. That's currently what I'm thinking of a classic. Plus, plus an element of timelessness. Of course, you can play it. You can play it. You can play it now. You can play it several years from now. It, it should hopefully still sound as good as that first time right. you heard it. A good classic also kind of takes you back to that time, right? When you listen to it, and you just immediately get stuck back into that, and just remember that that's that's what a good classic is to me. But like, like you said too, Andrew, it's just. It's got to be something that hasn't been done. It's something that kind of defines that artist at that time period and kind of still reflects them going forward. There we go. But, um, yeah, so I, I, I agree. It's just classics is kind of thrown around too easily. Igizela calling herself the new classics. Like, okay, we forgot about you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the it's just classic. so loose. Like, yeah, she called herself the new classic. I was like, what the fuck does that even mean? Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, like, so yeah, just kind of touching what Andrew said, but extending saying like, you know, it's kind of a classic is also what defines a an artist at that period, but also transcends into the future, but shows the progress, but still rooted in that. So mm. um, it's, I don't know, it's just, that's just how I see it. Um, You know, like, it's just no, no remakes or anything like that. Um, Yeah, that's just how I see it. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, like you said, that it's got to take you back, like a flashback. You reminisce. That defines a classic. You play it front to back, like you said, Andrew. And uh, another word, like timeless. It, it it could be related to now, then, before. So I agree, absolutely. That's the definition of classic. You said who's the, they've calling themselves a new classic? What female artist? Iggy Azalea. Oh. <laughs> a new the new classic. I was like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> I like that. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> the new classic. You got to say it, bro. New you know classic. I mean? 
It's classic. catchy, but it's just like, nah, you're not the one to say that. Though. It's that it's that old school new shit. You know what I mean? That fast, <laughs> that fast, slow shit. I transcend time. <laughs> you know what I always think of it is like Coca-Cola classic because it's like on the side of the can or something. Like <laughs> that's why I think when I hear classic, I like fuck Coca-Cola classic. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. So um there's another question I wanted to ask you guys. If you guys were stuck on an island or if it was a post-apocalyptic situation and you guys were able to load one album onto your phone, that's it yeah. for the rest of your time. Which album would you guys load into it? That's oh. tough. Yeah, it is tough. You know what? It's a, it's a coin flip between Thriller or the college dropout. Ooh. <laughs> you know how they, how they know you're going to put Thriller in that mix? You kind of need that. you kind of need an album with a wide range of, you know, yeah, emotions yeah, yeah. to go through with it, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go with um I'll stick with who I said was number 1 with M. I'll just stay there. I'll say probably Marshall Mathers LP that first one, the second album after the Slim Shady LP. Oh shit! Okay. You got Stan on there. You got Kim. You got all the um, drug ballad under the influence shit. You got all that on there. Fucking great album. Which album had a guilty conscience on? That's one of my favorite songs. I think that was Slim Shady LP. Slim Shady LP. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Bro, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna go Kod. KOD is a hard ass album. <laughs> it's a great album, actually. Like I almost want to fucking go mixtapes, but yeah, uh, it's hard. You know what? I'm gonna go with uh, is is Faces by Mac Miller considered an album, or is that considered a mixtape? I mean, I consider it an album. It was like yeah. it was when it was like independent. Yeah, I mean, he has his mixtape. Oh, you know what? I I, I, I I take it back. It has to be fucking um. Passion, Pain, and Demon Slam by Kid Cudi. I literally bought every track one by one on iTunes instead of buying the album as a whole because I was <laughs> I was hesitant. I didn't want to fucking buy on iTunes, but that shit was banging. So I was on, I was on mushrooms, like man, I'm gonna buy this shit. <laughs> I so that, five dollars. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> oh man, it's hard. I mean, I had. I had Lincoln Park Hybrid Theory loaded up, but I don't want to be on killer depressed mode the rest of my <laughs> life like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, You're right. It's got to be an album that kind of touches different ranges. So you have <laughs> different moods going on. Because imagine listening to shit like, oh, I'm going to like, you listen to emo music. That's just going to be your mood for the rest of your life. <laughs> it's already post apocalyptic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, God so yeah, it, I'll be running around that island listening to the the Marshall Mathers like this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll find you, bro. We'll trade. We'll trade every time. Share <laughs> albums. Please, I've been listening to Kill You on repeat. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. <laughs> Do you guys remember? I mean, it's nostalgic November, and we're talking about throwback shit. Do you guys remember that show, uh, the White Rapper show, back in the day in VH1? <laughs> you unlocked a memory, bro. You yeah. remember that shit with fucking what's his face? Uh, was it Hallelujah? Hallelujah, holla back. <laughs> oh, never mind. 
I don't remember. I just remember somebody. I think they were like what breakdancing. What was the premise of this show? <laughs> so I think the winner gets an a record deal. But okay, it kind of sounds yeah, familiar. They they go do like hip hop trivia, and then they have to write like songs at the end. They have challenges uh, where they have to write like a music video. They have to you know film a music video based oh on certain prompts. Look it up on YouTube, guys. It sounds it's familiar. Pretty fucking now. interesting. But the winner, John Brown, he was like. I'm not a rapper. I'm an entity. You know what I mean? Like he was on that shit. Yeah. <laughs> I remember you know, like, this shit. Get, get a revival. <laughs> that type of shit. And, and there was like, he had a hundred thousand dollar prize in the fucking with Shamrock. <laughs> yeah, Shamrock. Yeah. yeah. Which I don't think he should have oh, won. <laughs> I thought John Brown should have won that shit, bro. He was uh-huh. definitely, I think they went with John Brown because uh, with Shamrock because they knew John Brown was, was good on his own. You know, he'd already yeah. made enough of a ruckus and noise on his own, but interesting show. You guys should watch it. I gotta check it out. <laughs> I bring it up because that's something that we also talked about. I feel like when Eminem was around, you know, White Rapper was kind of his, you know, he owned that. Even though at that time, Fred Durst kind of, you know, could be considered up there too, but he was in rock mostly, not really, not really rap. He did it all the Oh, yeah. iconic though limp biscuit iconic <laughs> but but nowadays there's True, so iconic. many there's so many good ones right now you know what i mean like um mac i, I don't want to say mac Moore. he's a big one i don't i don't really listen to him but with his face uh jack harlow you know ah, yeah, mac yeah. miller's really good um there's there's about there's there's a, a bunch of other, asher roth right Loki little Dicky can rap. It's just funny how he uses his fucking skills. Yeah. He's <laughs> ridiculous. He's ridiculous. He can yeah. rap really good. Little Dicky. Yeah. His yeah. show though. If you ever see the show, Dave, fucking I gotta watch it. It's great. If you like his rap, like his rap style, he goes on his alter ego as Lil Dicky, kind of showing, oh, this it's it's dope. You guys should catch it on Hulu. <laughs> Yeah, what's interesting about Little Dicky is he'll rap and he knows he's a joke, but he'll he raps so long mm-hmm. that like thirty seconds into the rap, maybe a minute in, he's like killing you with bars. You know what I mean? Yeah. To where it's like it's not even funny anymore. This guy's killing it, you know? Yeah. But I think that's his hook. That's why his hook is a fucking joke about it. So you listen, and all of a sudden you're like, oh shit! <laughs> you know, yeah. it always catches you by surprise in the beginning. Like you're laughing, like damn, that shows, and then he drags you in, and he actually paints a picture for you. You're yeah. like, oh shit, <laughs> this guy's fucking dope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I gotta see that show too. I haven't seen that one either. I don't get in front of the TV a lot. I'm like, I'm on like on YouTube watching everything. <laughs> Good for you, bro. Good for you. That shit's programming, anyways. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But I think we spoke about this on the podcast, maybe the second episode. That we talked about who the best white rapper was, and mm. I went ahead and made a bold claim that Mac Miller is better than Eminem. What do you guys think about that? That's pretty bold. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a loyal fan base that'll get upset about that, but I yeah. actually do see where you're coming with it. Um, I feel like he is very, as it might be a bold statement to say, I think he was underrated too. A lot of people kind of yeah. just saw him as another white rapper, you know, but he had 
very good substance in his music and people yeah. overlook that i mean blue slide park what i wouldn't say was his best but then everything else kind of whack yeah and um <laughs> and then the, the like the, that last album that came out it just sucks because that's all we're left with and it's just like you want more you know and yeah uh, yeah i think i i could definitely see where you go where you get that conclusion and um you know depending on my mood i might agree with you depending on my mood another day i'm like nah it's m&m you know mm-hmm. i think that i think mac was in his own lane just like m but i think mm-hmm. lyrically ly- lyrically m m from the bar standpoint i mean like yeah. Mac Miller, those two. I don't think there's any other white rapper that's better than I mean, like Macklemore, Paul Wall, even the Grouse from Living Legends. I mean, he's a hip hop lyric. Oh guy. hell yeah, old school. Over even old Slug, school. right? Even Slug. Yeah, yeah. Even Slug. Yeah, but yeah. the atmosphere, everybody that you know, like so when. Yeah, Mac Miller. I don't think anyone could top him except him. I'd say it's close, but like I said, they were in their own lanes. Like, cause Mac had a different a different style, but he was still like M, where no one was saying the shit that Mac had on his wavelength. They were different wavelengths, you know what I mean? So there yeah. we go. Yeah, and like you, you said too, though, it sucks the way that we are left with things, and that's just with a lot of artists too. RIP to them. There's a lot of names we could say. So right. But yeah, you said Blue Side Park. I don't know. I don't think you like that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I felt like that was just like I was excited to see he finally got a major album, but then I was just like, oh wow, this sounds very commercialized, you know. Yeah, it was one of his like major label album, but I think it was better than the best day ever. The BDE mixtape. BDE. Besides that, yeah. besides I the mean, BDE that was more song. like his high school. Like you could tell how young he was in that shit because it was very, um, very like typical. I was like YouTube. I mean, that's how I discovered just YouTube. Mm-hmm. You know, he was like YouTube rapper. And he had all these like high school. And then I heard uh, Nike's on my feet with that Nas sample. I was like, damn, this shit's hard. Hell yeah. <laughs> I think all his mixtapes slapped way harder than, like you said, the actual albums where mm-hmm. you get a little commercialized vibe to it. Before that, he had more of the rawness to it. So I agree, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know what, bro? Now that um, I'm thinking about it, when Eminem stopped caring, that was what made it work. I feel like the same thing happened with Mac Miller. There was something that happened kind of around the time where he started fucking around with Earl sweat sweatshirt and odd future where he stopped caring so much. Right. Like, unfortunately I think he also got into drugs around that time. You know what I mean? But when you stop caring, it also exudes a certain kind of vibe, right? Like you make the people that hear it that care too much want to be like, why can I stop caring like that guy? He's so carefree, you know? So they listen to the music and then they stop caring about what they care about because you're going about life in a non-caring attitude. You know what I mean? Uh And that kind of made them... We talked about the misogynistic thing, but I also think around this time if you say something too misogynistic, it almost sells. You know what I mean? It almost gives you that shock factor towards like, oh, what do you say? Let me hear this now. You know what I mean? Oh, it's crazy. He didn't really mean misogynistic if you listen to it. You know what I mean? It's one of those kind of things. Um, But when, when Mac Miller and Eminem, when they stopped caring, I feel like 
even though they don't believe in misogynistic stuff, like they could just say it because it rhymes and it hits. You know what I mean? And the fact they didn't care about the social backlash of that made it subtly to the flow, but really on impact, the listeners put their own kind of thing about it. So kind of just kind of wrapping that up to you, dude, if you haven't recorded your final verse on the Wiz Khalifa track, I can don't give a fuck because whatever you're doing is what got you there. Right. So if you do anything else different, then you might not be where your trajectory got you to where you're supposed to be at. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. <laughs> to bring it back yeah Hell thank yeah, you man I that. I, I, and you know what i believe real recognize real so you saying that i think there's authenticity to that you know everything in its raw form and and just having uh that right there you know that in itself take you where you're going and then like i said manifestation you know i believe in speaking things into existence so you know whether you write it you say it in out loud or in your head you're manifesting it. So that's also a big part of it in one fashion or form. So Uh as an artist for you, you know, hearing obviously hip hop has changed so much over the years and um, it's been debated that, you know, hip hop is dead for you as an artist. When someone says that to you, how does that make you feel? Because it's something that you're trying to contribute to still, but people are starting to say, nah, man, hip hop is done. It, it makes me upset, almost like angry, because there there is a time where, you know, and, and I'm not judging, there's certain stuff that slaps, there's certain time and place or anything, but like mumble rap, all that, you know, hip-hop's uh-huh. not that, because we talked about classics and timeless classics and, and all these legends and icons that, you know, carved the path and contributed to 50 years of hip-hop. So when people say it, I said, you don't know hip-hop and you haven't listened to all the hip-hop that I've listened to, so... Right. Um, when I hear people say hip hop is that I just think that they're not understanding that's what commercialized and what the the popular audience and the demographic considers hip hop is is not that. So when they say that, I think it's very opinionated and, you know, your opinions are like assholes. Everyone's got one. So right. I think hip hop needs to be reconstructed in the present form and most recently and, you know, get back to its initial ways and when it started and got to the meat of what we discussed and get back to those ways to a certain extent, but keep the new things and try and mold them into more creative ways where it's more raw and natural, I'd say. Mm-hmm. I feel like hip hop was also some one of the most criticized genres. People are always saying there's no talent in that. Um, that it's the only genre I've heard people like question talent. You know, you don't hear people saying that, oh, here's Taylor Swift. Oh, she's not talented. You know, pop, there's no talent in pop. It's just, it seems like there's a lot of flack that hip hop gets because people don't understand how it's actually very, you know, you have to possess a skill. Yes, you can write the song, but can you spit it? Can you, can you put this poetry you wrote onto this beat and make people listen, you know? So I think. You know, it's just a lot of it's one of the most misconstrued, misunderstood, even to this day, this um, hip hop. And I don't think mumble rap is necessarily helping that cause, but no, mumble I'm, rap is tight. <laughs> mumble rap is tight. You know, I'm a, I, <laughs> I admit I like listening to it, you know, because it's a vibe. But, you know, for you, when people say that there's no talent or skill involved in hip hop, I'm sure as an artist, that's got to like tick you off and make you want to like shows like no we got skill and like make almost make you want to evolve to another level doesn't it yeah i'd say so in in the sense that um 
I think that you don't have to prove anything to someone, but like when, when those people think that it's like you let them see on their own, you know what I mean? And, and let them see that here's where the action's going to take place where you may have hear hearsay. So I, I think that the, the term dead is when something's completely gone. So hip hop will never be dead in my mind. Mm-hmm. Never. There's also, just be new versions. <laughs> Also, yeah. the people saying that are like usually the consumers, you know what I mean? They're never really the people who are creating it and the people mm-hmm. who are doing things for the community, you know what I mean? So, exactly, hip hop is dead could just be, hey, all my friends are listening to electronic now, so like I don't listen to you guys no more, you know what I mean? Yeah, so EDM, get some glow sticks and a bunch of axes, go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> But no, like you, you said, I think that we see music at a level where, like you said, creators or certain people are at this, whereas people who just sit and listen to the radio or music have a completely different view and aspect on it. That, you know, like I've had to completely break down to people, like, do you know what they're saying in this song? And they're like, no, what do you mean? And I'm like, listen to the words. Like, yeah, but it's this. I'm like, no, completely means this. Like, I had to explain to a chick one time, a long time ago, what Soldier Boy meant, super soaked that hole and skeet, skeet, man. I'm like, yeah. And then he slapped the sheet on your back and watched you run around the room and the whole cheer group's doing a routine to it and it's all over the radio. He's talking about busting a nut on a girl's back. You don't know what he's talking about? Dang. Super, you know I mean, like, even that dumbass shit that was on the radio, that is dumb. I mean, Soldier Boy, but whatever. So, like, people don't know music or understand even that part. It's like you're listening to this commercial song that's being played over and over and they realize and you have no idea what that means, what they're saying. So... I think that we we see and feel it way differently. You said from the creator aspect, whereas it's it's more of like you said, consume. It's just someone who's sitting there in the car every day on the way to work to radio or listen mm-hmm. to radio. Someone that goes to the bar and then goes and plays a song on a jukebox. You know what I mean? Oh, what's pop right now? Oh, look at this new song by whoever this is. You know what I mean? So, right, But it's always the artist too that kind of pushes the envelope and kind of creates something new that really blows up you know it's never really someone who kind of just stayed to the old classic styles that always worked and they always get the praise like oh yeah this guy's rooted you know but it's always a person who kind of pushes that envelope and changes it that kind of gets more traction so yeah i i think it's just like you said it's just it's more the consumer hearing the trash that you know like if you just listen to radio that's all you're going to hear you don't know there's a wide variety of hip-hop out there and it's not what you're going to hear on the radio 24 seven. Exactly. Yep. Absolutely. I also think the people or the rappers that say rap is dead, have a rock album coming out or like an EDM coming out <laughs> type shit. Too, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, I'll be saying that too, bro. I'll be saying that too. Nas ran with that. Didn't come out with a rock album. That would have been weird. Where is whole hip hop is dead. Yeah. But yeah, man, I mean, shit. I'll wrap it up with this. We talked about we talked about rock and the hippie movement kind of being CIA thing because of the drugs and stuff. And if you talk about rap now, you know what I mean? It we talk about gangster shit, you know what I mean? Having more than one baby mamas and fuck it, the more you have, it's it's better. You're more gangster, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> do it for the money. And I don't think people know that. I think there's a actu- there's actually an agreement between the music industry and, like, the penitentiary to try to f- 
you know what I mean? Absolutely. Dictate what kind of subjects to rap about in order to keep the rooms filled. You know what I mean? So people getting into the industry, like I said, when the gang lifestyles what brought them in, they're living lavishly now. They kind of still have to be gangbanging in order to kind of keep up that persona because that's what I did to get me there. You know what I mean? Definitely. And they kind of fall under that trap. And to them, they're just talking about being hard, but in the bigger scheme of things, like it's kind of detrimental to the next generation. You know what I mean? So what's cool about Ariz, what's cool about Mel, what's cool about you is you guys are kind of conscious when it comes to this. You know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with going to the club. There's nothing wrong with, you know, going to the strip club. There's nothing wrong with any of that. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, the game banging side that comes with rap. It's just kind of how J. Cole does it, where it's almost like a different mind frame to kind of navigate these different settings that you have been exposed to, but you've been programmed to handle in a gangster way, you know what I mean? Or a thuggish way type shit, because a lot of people don't recognize and and it's still kind of a conspiracy theory that maybe like Tupac was an actor, right? Maybe the shit that he was talking about was more of a persona, you know what I mean? Than it was a real thug life kind of thing that he was promoting. And another thing that backs that up is the fact that Drake is so fucking popping right now. And right. I think he's so popping that a lot of the new generation that fuck with Drake, Drake don't even know about the Degrassi days that he used to be an actor. It's kind of getting to that, you know, Jordan yeah. crying meme type thing where they don't even know Jordan. They just know him as the crying face type <laughs> thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you have the tools, man, to push this how you want to go without a fucking machine that is out there for, you know, fucking malicious intent to try to fucking, you know, keep people in the matrix and kind of <laughs> keep people as bots to kind of be conditioned into creatures that are controlled by their, their, um, their vices, you know what I mean? And, and some of the temptations out there that's being exploited. So shout out to you. Shout out to the whole Bentley Records, man. Shout out to O'Reese for bringing us together and getting you on the podcast. Thank Where you. can people find you, man, outside of the cave? Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. You guys can find me at Quintino Pesquale on all social media platforms. Quintino, like Quentin Tarantino, underscore Pesquale. And go by AP. And then all my music's on every platform. 290 stores worldwide with Bentley Records. Uh, you can find it under my real name, Pasquale Panico. And uh, we got a lot of new music coming out. Ori's dropping the track with Lil Wayne. Dropping, dropping a track with Wiz Khalifa. We've got an album coming out we worked on in Vegas. And a couple other bangers, too. So thank you again, guys, for having me. I appreciate everybody. No worries, man. Thank you for coming on. Yes, sir. Yeah, and uh, Hey, Tupac was born in prison. His mom was a Black Panther. So I don't know how much he could be an actor, but I know Drake's parents were famous. They have big guap. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, just yeah, to touch yeah, on that yeah. real quick, my brother. Hell yeah. Thank you, guys. It was an honor and a pleasure. Absolutely humbled. And I appreciate you guys having me on here. And, and it was a pleasure, like I said. Hell yeah, man. man. Thanks for coming through. A lot of fun, man. Yes, sir. You're welcome. You guys be safe and continue blessings. Keep crushing it. I'll be watching. I see you guys out there. I love it. Yeah, maybe next time we'll get you and O'Ree's on here. Fuck yeah. The, the O, yeah, we're, the Y, we're actually, he says. Hey, we're actually, I think it was uh, uh, Andrew. 
You said in one of Oriz's, I was dying laughing. I watched it on YouTube. He's like, Oriz, are you high right now? He's like, me? Oh, no, me. No, he's like, no, I'm high on life. I'm high on life. How high are you right now, though? You guys are dying. I've known that guy since forever, man. So it's always been fun. Just it's cool seeing him up with you guys and just him blowing up and doing this track with Wayne because he's always been talking about. He's like, man, I'm gonna do a track with Wayne. And every time he, I'd go to Vegas and see him. He's freestyling. He's like. I'm like, damn, this will sound like Wayne. He's like, that's my inspiration. So it's cool to see it come full circle and that you guys are all together doing this shit, man. So best of luck to you guys, man, going forward. Keep grinding. You know, from what you said about Bentley, it's a good thing for you guys. So keep pushing. Man, thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah, who can say that they did a little song with Lil Wayne? You know what I mean? Right. Or Wiz Khalifa, bro. Yeah, yes, Wiz sir. Khalifa. You got Wiz Khalifa. Yeah. Yes, sir. Hell yeah, man. I still can't believe it, but in, in the grand scheme of things, like you just heard him say how long he's known Ariz half his life. He always said he was going to do song of the way, and I said initially, and like I know you guys are firm believers that you speak it into existence. That's manifestation. He said that a long time ago. You got to believe in that. You water your own grass first. Nothing else grows in your yard. So, Boom. Tell him. Yes, All right. Message. <laughs> All right, everyone. That's it. If you guys want to keep talking about rap, sports, or rabbit hole shit make sure you guys join the discord link should be in our bio or on the website cave.com that's k4v3.com make sure you guys also check out our sponsors at slaflightcandle.com stay lit for the low low peace out everybody yo yo later boys yo, yo.